Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. We are content when Christ is enough. When our contentment centers on Christ, then we can endure anything and face anything. And looking at Jesus often helps us put our circumstances into the right perspective. Often that one thing, that thing that we would fill in the blank with, that one thing that we want with our lives looms large over our whole life and defines it. And yet Paul is saying, no, no, no. You should allow Jesus to define your life in that way. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. ever been around an ungrateful person? It's not fun to hang out with them because, well, their attitude reeks. In today's message, Pastor Ricky encourages us to be content with our station in life. God wants us to have joyful, grateful hearts that reflect Him. The way to be content is to find our strength and purpose in Jesus Christ. When the Lord is at the center of our lives, we can be content in all circumstances, for we know that He is our provider and that He deeply cares about us. Let's join Pastor Ricky now for part two of his message, The Secret of Contentment, from the book of Philippians, chapter four. Paul knew what it was like to be in the school of abundance as well. Remember this, even though he was a Jew, he was born a Roman citizen, which meant that either he had come from a a wealthy family or he'd come from an important family or maybe a wealthy and important family. Before becoming a Christian, he was a rising star among the Pharisees, this influential group of teachers in in Israel. And even during Paul's ministry, even during the times where he gave everything up, he still probably experienced times of abundance. In fact, in Philippi, one of the early converts was this woman, Lydia, who was a merchant woman. And so probably Paul uh, had a room in her house, maybe a guest cottage of some kind. Uh, The church probably met there in the courtyard for a time, and and Paul was probably well provided for in that context. He he probably had days where he thought, man, what would I give to go back to that guest cottage? I should have never left. I should have just stayed in Philippi. That was a good gig. There were also times in churches that Paul planted that some of these churches um, were probably wealthy. They probably had a lot. Some of these churches were in large cities. I'm sure that there were days that Paul enjoyed a quiet morning reviewing the scriptures as he looked out over the Mediterranean Sea, right? And yet, Paul says just as much he had to learn things in times of abundance as well. So you think, okay, well, what is he learning then? I mean, you just kick back, you just enjoy. No, Paul says those things in in a similar way are still a test. He writes in 1 Timothy 6, verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. And it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Friends, the school of abundance is a dangerous school. Paul knew the danger of abundance. And it's important to note in that context, he's not saying 
money is the root of all evils, as it's often misquoted, but the love of money, the desire for money, is often a root of all kinds of evils. Listen, have you ever had one of those moments where you taste something that you think, oh, if I had money, I could do this, right? Through circumstance, end up on a nice vacation, you think, oh man, I could get used to this. Or you, you know, you're, this happens to be sometimes you're in another city and you drive a rental car and it's like a nice rental car and you think, I could get used to this, right? I'm sorry, sir, all we have available is this uh, brand new um, deluxe SUV. Would you mind taking that off our hands? Oh yes, I'd, I'd be happy to serve you guys in that way drive this around. Uh, the sunroof is something I'll endure for the Lord. And, and you think, if I had money, this could be life, right? If I went after this, this could be life. Whether, I mean, you think, it, man, if I could be at every Cowboys game, that would be the life. Or if I could go here or do this, that would be the life. Paul knows that in those moments of abundance, there is a pull, there is a temptation, there is a snare. And it's important for us to remember that according to Paul, if Paul were to arrive here and evaluate the income levels of our church, he would probably put us into the rich category. As he's visiting churches in in India and Africa and South America and the U.S. and Europe and Asia, he would put us in the rich category. I looked up some, some more statistics just to increasingly make myself uncomfortable, and I found that if you make... $30,000 a year after taxes in the U.S., you are in the top 1.23% of the wealthiest people on earth, right? Top 2% is decent, right? Top 2%. If you make $50,000 a year after taxes, you are in the top under 1%, the top 0.31 richest people in the world. If by some amazing stretch you make $70,000 a year, you are in the top 0.13% richest people in the world. In fact, you're actually probably the five millionth richest person on earth out of six billion, right? Out of the six billion people, you're like over here. And you think, okay, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense to me. Well, remember that the average worker in Indonesia makes on average about 40 cents an hour. About 40 cents an hour. So for us, I think we need to acknowledge for most of us, for many of us, we are probably enrolled right now. We may put ourselves in the category of, man, I'm in the school of poverty, right? And and statistically, we come back and say, no, I think you're at least partially enrolled in the school of abundance. And the question for us then is as well, will you learn the lessons of the school of abundance? Sometimes it's harder to answer the question, is Jesus enough? when you have the opportunity to have so much else. Sometimes in the school of poverty, that's all you've got, and so you can grab hold of Jesus. But sometimes in the school of abundance, there's so many options, so many things to pursue, so many things to do, that it's hard in that moment to say, out of all that I could pick, I pick Jesus. And Paul had to make that choice. Again and again throughout his ministry, he knows that we will have to face that choice as well. And so consider, even in times of abundance, is Jesus enough? Is your faith enough? Or are you going to fight after, seek after wealth? Maybe it's not even wealth. Maybe it's that one thing. If I could have that, then the choice between that and Jesus is hard. Okay, so finally, bringing this back to the home stretch, the fourth point a secret hiding in plain sight. So finally, we arrive at what Paul says is the secret. 
Okay, verse 12. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, if you're like me, you probably have one or of two reactions to this. One, you could be going, I don't see how that helps. Like, like, okay, what's the secret of contentment? I can do, do everything through him who strengthens me. And you're like, but I don't understand how that helps, right? I really want this. I've lost this. I need this. And this is what he says. Or your reaction could be thinking, okay, I've seen this verse quoted a lot. This is definitely on some football lockers, right? This is one of the most misapplied, misused verses in the New Testament, where you think, listen, and I've seen people apply this all kinds of ways. Like, you're going, you got a big game, right? You're getting fired up. You put that in your thing. You think, I can do all things through him. He strengthens me. Like, uh, uh, like and, and you're like, you're ready to bench like 350 pounds or whatever. Or you think there's a big sales meeting, right? And you're like looking in the mirror and get yourself psyched up. I could do all things. You can do all things through him who strengthens you, baby. And then you get in there and sell, 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 right? This is the way our sort of quasi-American culture has misapplied this passage. And the irony is that we often apply the passage exactly in the opposite way from the way Paul intends it. We read it to be all about us and what we can accomplish and miss the point of what Paul is saying. See, we often put the emphasis on the strength, right? The way we read the verse says, I can do all things, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's like the strengthening of God is a means for us to be strong and do what we want to do. And the emphasis is actually on the him. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You almost have to insert like a little comma in your Bible. I can do all things through him, and then it describes him, him who strengthens me. The secret is him. We can face anything through him, or perhaps more, more accurately translated, in him. We can face everything in him, anything in him. Um, Kent Hughes, a commentator, gives us some important background here, uh, that one of the common philosophies of Paul's day was, the Stoic, was Stoicism, the Stoic philosophy, that contentment, and they believed that contentment was the essence of all virtues. So one of their goals was to become independent of needing things and needing people. Um, someone should, someone who, quote, should be sufficient unto himself for all things and able by the power of his will to resist the force of circumstances. So the, the Stoic ideal was this kind of self-contained superman or superwoman who could rise above it all in independent self-sufficiency and serenity, right? So it's just like, I'm doing this, like I can do this. And honestly, whether or not we know it as partial stoicism, this culture pervades our culture. This philosophy pervades our culture. We have so much philosophy and so much pop culture psychology and motivation that, that goes into the category of the, like, the do it, right? If you remember that video that went around a while ago where it's this, like, actor yelling, do it, you can do it, do this, and he's just, like, like punching the air and yelling, and it's kind of funny, but that sort of sums up the philosophy that we often have toward life, like, persevere, dig deep, hashtag Monday motivation, 
right? I know you guys are out there, the hashtag Monday motivation people. You got the quotes, you got the stuff, you got the workout of the day done early that day. And the honest truth is this, that when all we have to dig into is ourselves, we will eventually break. There will be times where we are not sufficient. There will be times where we cannot dig any deeper. There will be times where we cannot overcome the force of our circumstances in and of ourselves. Where the test of poverty breaks us. Where the test of abundance breaks us and we get sidetracked by so many other things. And for Paul, the answer for facing any and every circumstance is not self-sufficiency, but Christ-sufficiency, okay? It's not, I have everything in, in, in myself, so I don't need anyone else, but it's rather saying, I absolutely need Jesus, and it's only through him that I can do anything, right? That's, that's where Paul is going here. We can face all that life throws at us through Jesus, in Jesus, not in ourselves. And this is, this is a theological theme of the Apostle Paul throughout all of his letters, this concept of being in Christ. We even heard this at the beginning of the letter. It means now that if we've believed in Jesus, we are now in Christ. Our, we've been relocated, in a sense. We have a new home address, in a sense. Our identity, our life are defined by Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And that is what Paul says is the secret of contentment. And it is through him and in him that we find the strength to face anything and everything in life and still be content. So the main idea today, which I've held off until right now, is this. We are content when Christ is enough. We are content when Christ is enough. When our contentment centers on Christ, then we can endure anything and face anything. And looking at Jesus often helps us put our circumstances into the right perspective. Often that one thing, that thing that we would fill in the blank with, that one thing that we want with our lives looms large over our whole life and defines it. And yet Paul is saying, no, no, no. You should allow Jesus to define your life in that way. It should be the overarching reality that shapes everything. And friends, for those of us who are Christians, we must turn again to what Paul says is the good news. Because the good news has everything to do with why we are in Christ and why through Christ we can do all things. The Bible reminds us that our sins separate us from God and place us under his judgment. And we have to acknowledge, yep, you know what sin? Grumbling and charging God with, you haven't given me this thing. When we get low, when we're brought low to turn and and get angry with God and charge him with wrong. Listen, the reality is that we've wrecked the world, not God. That humanity has wrecked the world, and yet we have the gall then to charge God that he hasn't given us what we want. Even the times that we're seduced and, and turn after riches or wealth or pursuing something else at the expense of God, that's sin as well. And humanity is great at this. We are great at making false gods and running to them instead of the true God. And all of that means that our circumstances should be the sum result of our sins against God, right? That's what our circumstances should be. They should be, we sinned against God, and we're going to receive what we deserve for that. Could we ever pay 
for our sins against the holy God? Could we ever find a way to break, I mean, to repair what we have destroyed? We could never be enough to do this. And yet here is the good news that Paul offers to us, that Jesus succeeded where we have failed, and he is enough where we were not enough. Jesus faced the offer of all the world's nations and all the world's riches. If only he would not worship God and he refused. Jesus faced the most brutal poverty of spirit and relationship and body, and yet even then did not turn away from God. See, the question hanging over the whole Old Testament is this, is anyone enough to obey God, to walk justly, to live righteously before God? And the answer in the New Testament is that only Jesus was enough. Only a perfect and spotless substitute could pay for our sins. Only an infinite God taking on the nature of man could be precious and pure enough to pay for the sins of God's people. Only Jesus could drain the cup of the Father's wrath to the end so that there would be none left for us. Only Jesus could shock our hearts, our cold, dead hearts into beating again. Only Jesus was sufficient to pay for our sins and raise us to new life. And, and Paul, this is what Paul does. Paul, having walked with Jesus year after year in both loss and abundance, could say clearly from his Roman jail cell that Jesus is enough. He says, listen, if everything else goes away, if I lose everything else, Jesus is enough. And here's where the good news gets even better. We like to say at our church that the gospel is always better news than we think. Because my point isn't exactly phrased 100% biblically, that we're content when Christ is enough. Because um, scripturally speaking, Christ isn't just enough. He is more than enough. It's not like a minimum bar. Like Christ just clears the bar of being enough. And Okay, good. All right, he's going to be enough for me, I guess. No, scripturally, Christ is more than enough. Whatever enough would be, Jesus exceeds it. Here are just a few examples. Just having God not angry at us anymore because of our sin would be enough. But in Christ, God looks on us now with love and with affection. Uh, just not being God's enemies would be enough. But now in Christ, we've been brought into God's family where we are adopted. We're made permanent members of the family. Just having our wrongs erased and paid for would be enough. But Jesus gives us a future hope of heaven full of blessing and glory we do not deserve. Just Jesus coming to earth to show us the Father would be enough. But then the Father sends and Jesus sends the Spirit into our very hearts so that we would never be alone. Look, just getting the minimum bar of food and clothing would be enough in this life, knowing the hope of heaven in front of us. But God so often showers us with blessing after blessing that we do not deserve. The blessings of families we don't deserve, jobs we don't deserve, more resources than we need. And look, friends, just having eternity paid for would be enough, knowing, okay, one day I'll get there. But right now, right now, Jesus sends the Spirit to give us power and help every hour, every day, forever, until we see him face to face. 
If your heart and mind are full with the knowledge that Jesus is more than enough for me, you will find contentment. You will find contentment. And look, this makes us look with new eyes on the first three sections of this text. Uh, The secret is something that is learned. If our goal is to declare with our lives that Jesus is enough, then every up and down of life is an opportunity to lean in and learn how Jesus is enough, right? Every circumstance is an opportunity for you, even today, whatever you're in, to learn the lesson that Jesus is enough. And the secret is not tied to our circumstances. Look, apart from Christ, we're stuck on that roller coaster. We are always up and down. We have no contentment. I saw one time there, when I was in California, there was a seaside amusement park And at the amusement park, they had a challenge where whoever could stay on this roller coaster the longest would win like a car or something. And so these poor people, like these poor pathetic people with like pillows and blankets had been on the roller coaster for like 24 hours already. And so the only break they got was the brief loading period. And they probably prayed for slow people to get into the roller coaster and then they would be back up and down and up and down and up and down and brief respite and back up and down, right? These people just looked ill. And listen, apart from Jesus, that is what we're left with. It's like we're our circumstance up, we're up, they're down, they're down, up and down and up and down. And this, in Christ, we have the offer to get off the roller coaster, right? You can get off the roller coaster. This secret changes our outlook. Like if we start with the knowledge that Jesus is enough, then it radically transforms the way we see the world around us. Rather than looking out at the world and only seeing what is terrible and wrong and hard, which is my default view, we begin to see the fingerprints of Jesus everywhere in life. When Paul sees that the Philippians send him a gift, even if he's in jail, even if they didn't send anything to him for a long time, What he sees is, oh man, it's so good of God. Not only did he live and die and rise again for me and give me a future and a hope, he's also given me this money through you. That's awesome. It's like a bonus, right? He did the big stuff, look, and food. That's so great. right? You You move from complaining to gratefulness. And this has a radical effect on our witness and mission as well because, listen, the world around us is stuck on the roller coaster. And we have the opportunity to model and witness to something better. It doesn't mean we won't struggle or sin, but we recover. We persevere in Christ. We rejoice in Christ. Can you imagine the effect of this happy guy on the Roman guards that Paul was chained to? Like this guy that they just, they change shifts and they're like, he's still happy, right? Just think at some point he's got to give up. Nope, because he's content in Christ. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. What makes Pastor Ricky call the book of Philippians the happiest book in the Bible? As we've been discovering in this series, it's because of the incredible good news the Apostle Paul has to share with us all. Pastor Ricky has been teaching verse by verse through this short but powerful New Testament letter, emphasizing the joy that can only be found in the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. We hope you've caught some of that joy as you listen today. If you want to listen to today's message again, or explore more of the teachings available from Better News Radio, we'd encourage you to visit our website, 
betternewsradio.com. There you can also find more information about this ministry and subscribe to our podcast. Be sure to check out Pastor Ricky's Better News book, available for free online. This book answers questions about who Jesus is, why we all need to know Him, and how this knowledge can completely change our world. Feel free to download or share it with someone who may be asking these questions. We're so blessed to have you as our listeners, and we're thrilled that you joined us today. If you ever have any questions for us or would like to share a prayer request with us, please send an email to radio at betternewsradio.com. We'll reply as soon as we can, and we'll start praying even sooner. That email again is radio at betternewsradio.com. Thanks for tuning in to our program today. Join Pastor Ricky Alcantad next time to keep studying the happiest book in the Bible right here on Better News Radio.